to another episode of the Dog Tales podcast. I'm speaking today with Helen Reed, who is a very proud owner of the business Clever Canines. And we have two beautiful dogs with us today. We have Mr. Rosser, and his breed is Helen. A Rottweiler cross with Staffy. And we also have Diago. He's supposed to be a Jack Russell. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's any barking or anything that happens during this podcast, it's because we've got these two beautiful souls currently sitting quietly mm. on the floor. But that could change at any time. Yes, particularly with with you, Diago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's gorgeous, isn't he? So Helen, you have an extensive history, life history of working with dogs mm. and working with people and dogs. It's true. So true. Um, there's a lot of very interesting things that you've done in the past, but I probably like you to perhaps tell us your story of, of well, where it all started. I started off when I when I was ten my father died and I was very lonely. I had two young brothers. Uh, Mum went had to go to work, had a housekeeper, which I hated, and I made very difficult for her. <laughs> and one day a dog just appeared in our backyard. He came over a back fence, and that, that was a high fence, about, what do you say, one and a half metres high. And there he was, and we didn't have a dog. So I said to Mum, can we keep it? And she said, no, of course. Uh, <laughs> I can't afford to feed a dog as well. Yeah. yeah. But he stayed and he was really my lifesaver. When I went to school, he was at school waiting for me. When I got home, he was there waiting for me. Uh, he stayed with me at night and he stayed for six months and then he vanished, vanished altogether, never saw him again. Okay, and you you had no idea where he went? And no, no idea. idea. Was, like he'd not come with any anything around his neck or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And then six months later, he turned up again. Oh, wow. And, and that happened for a few years, and then he didn't come back. Yeah. So, what, every six months, yeah. he would yeah. come back yeah. and stay for six months? Yeah. Goodness me. Yeah. And you have no idea where he went? No idea. My mother, she just thought it was probably better to have him than not have him, because you know, she didn't have time for me, because um, she was busy working. Yeah. Wow. And so that that was my start of dogs and after that I got really interested in seeing dogs, you know, I saw them and uh, I started working for Lost Dogs Home. Yeah. You know, cleaning out the kennels and stuff. Yeah, right. And I met a very interesting lady who lived around the corner in a fascinating old house, absolutely fascinating. <laughs> Aren't they ever? <laughs> old houses are the oh, best. Uh, had things there from about 1800 or oh, something. Oh, goodness me, it was really? marvellous, yeah. And she lived by herself and she was um, just a doggy person. I don't think my whole family didn't know her or know of her, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I spent a lot of time with her. And then as I got older, I worried Mum till eventually she got a dog, which I didn't take much notice of. Strange, I didn't. So the family had a dog and we shifted. And then I went on to nursing training. Mm-hmm. And of course, the dog didn't go with us. And then as soon as I got married, I got my own dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a Rottweiler. 
And then I heard, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Mr. Diago is just yeah. having a little munch on a toy at the moment. <laughs> Bring it here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bring it here. Come on. Bring it here. Thank you. Good boy. I didn't really want you to eat that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Crisis averted. <laughs> Just what do they say? Never work with kids or animals. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, <laughs> Mister Ross has just come over from the yeah. too. So I had Rottweilers for many years, and I learned a lot from them. And uh, I showed and bred and went to obedience and did all the usual things. Helen, people sometimes have the assumption that they're very aggressive dogs. Are they only? Ag- no, they're not. Well, none of mine ever were. Yeah. Um, Oh. Absolutely marvellous, very intuitive dog. Right. And very smart and only only replied in an aggressive way if they felt they had to, but usually they just tried to avoid it. Yeah, yeah. okay. They're very interesting. Yeah, they're very they're a beautiful dog, aren't they? But the um that film that came out that had a hundred and one dogs and it had a leader was a Rottweiler. It came out to I don't know, in about 1960s, I think. Okay. It frightened the hell out of people. Right. Yeah. It was a bit like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. <laughs> <laughs> and they never blamed all the Dobermans, say, it's only Rottweiler because he was losing them. Yeah. yeah. Goodness me. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I travelled all, we travelled all over the place. My poor husband, he, uh, Travel too, and then the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and the dogs. <laughs> and we camped here and there everywhere, went to all the shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and got really, really involved with with them and um, become secretary of the Roddy Club, then I was secretary of the National Council, um, really going to, you know, we had specialist shows and, yeah. And you won a lot of awards, I believe. Is that correct? Oh, I think we got best in show three times, and that's nationally. That's yeah. So oh. after the Roddies, how long did you have them for? Oh, I think I finished breeding in two thousand and six, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and mm. so where where did you journey on to then with you? Well, then I I was instructing in obedience. Uh, Geelong Obedience Dog Club, and I tried, and I become head instructor there. But it's a very old club, and it's very old methods. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to use positive training. Sure. And it just wasn't possible there, and and the instructors didn't take kindly to anything new at all because it's been going for forty or uh, forty nine years, something. Yeah. And so we started had our own club going with the Roddy Club, just doing Roddy obedience. And um, I got sacked from that because I refused to string the dog up when it was aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole lot of us just formed a new club. Okay. And we invited all breeds in mm-hmm. and we invited Geelong Obedience to come and look-see and a lot of their members came and saw what we were doing and just went on for there and still going now. I don't have to do it now, thank God. As uh, in training, you mean? Uh, well, I'm still training, but I don't not in charge of it anymore. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> After a lot, a lot of years, I yeah, imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, but still going. 
And I go on Thursdays and train. Lots of fun with rock, with rock ballad. We did, you know, like the neighbours. Um, oh, the television show. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Did you train? Yeah. Did yeah. you really? Yeah, my dogs are in it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Is, was is there any other shows that you've done as well? Um, neighbours, uh, and something other, few others. I don't know idea what they were called. One we had to um, paint paint the Rottweiler all black and, and load him up with chains. Oh goodness me! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened to that one. <laughs> Probably never went anywhere. But it was good fun. Not Kath and Kim. Yeah. Was it the yeah. Kath and Kim show? Yeah. Is that the one where you had to paint him up? No, not no, that no. one. I didn't have to paint him up for that one. <laughs> Just had to be a rock baller. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. you did training for the dog to be on the show? Yeah. I just, my friend and I, Val, we trot along to where we're supposed to be and ask what the dog's got to do, tell the dog what he's got to do, and then he did it. Yeah. And this is what, during filming for the episodes? Yeah. Where was that taking place? Oh, all different places. Yeah, all oh, different places. Yeah. Goodness me, you're a film good star. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I never appeared there. I'm just in the background giving the signal, you know. <laughs> Tell you what, that would be a funny yeah. set to be on, wouldn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, my goodness, they yeah. get up to so much mischief yeah. on Kath and Kim. Yeah. It's good fun. Good fun. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty exciting yeah. in amongst it all. Yeah. So from there onwards, what was your next involvement? Well, anyone invited us to do anything, we went and did it. Yeah. <laughs> did lots of um, talks for various clubs on positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a list of them there somewhere. Yeah, um, okay. But uh, a lot of them weren't ready to take on positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I, I joined Eltona uh, last year or the year before and they hadn't moved on at all. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> um, and yet when I went there and I had an eight-week-old puppy and we didn't even sit, drop, stand, come and all that stuff and he was off lead and doing everything and, uh, the, you know, they just thought it was good fun and that was it. You know, yeah. They, they never went so, anywhere. So you were a bit of a uh, a change, change-making change person in oh, the yeah. industry perhaps. Like, Well, I changed, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and then I went and do fly ball. What's flyball? A flyball is a competition relay race with dogs. So you've got two lots of dogs, you've got four jumps, and at the end you've got a box that's loaded with a ball. Mm-hmm. And the dog on um, when on go, the first dog goes and jumps, 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 gets the ball, comes back, gives a says it comes through the starting gates. The next dog can go. Okay, that's the first team finished. Ah, yeah, it's good fun. That's fun. And you still do that now? No, 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 okay. Yeah. Although I got it, I got him because I do fly ball, but I thought that's ridiculous, Al. You're not doing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, he seems pretty happy here. Yeah, but the the small dog, you need one small dog in the team because mm-hmm. it brought the jumps down. Oh, <laughs> it, it, okay. Yeah, yeah the uh, rest were all Jack um, border collies or something like that. Yeah, yeah so they're yeah, a little bit higher. Yeah, so, yeah, it's good fun. So you've just you've given me a list here, Helen of probably about 30 clubs and different things that, and positions that you've been involved in over the years with your dogs. It's quite – I'm just going to read a couple out. Um, 
head instructor at Geelong Obedience Dog Club, head instructor at Bellarine Dog Activities, School Education Program, Canine Education for Dogs of Victoria. Uh, we've spoken about the Rottweiler Club. Delta Pet Therapy Volunteer. Yeah. Do you still do that? Not now. I don't know what's happened to Delta. I seem to, I seem to have just vanished. Okay. Um, and I became an assessor for Delta and I'd assess the dogs whether they were suitable for it. So that was for... Pet therapy, so that's yeah, yeah. different so, to assistance so therapy dogs. dogs which... go into the nursing homes and hospitals and things. Oh, yeah. there's nothing yeah. better. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what's happened. I was an assessor and then all of a sudden they seemed to have changed. They never gave me any notification, nothing, just nothing. Yeah. yeah, okay. You would have found that to be extremely heartwarming I imagine because did oh, you go sure. into the, yeah. the nursing homes and things oh, yes. as you were training yeah and the yeah, people just dogs yes yeah mm. and they respond mm. yeah you go, go I've been to various nursing homes and the last one I went to for Delta was um dentist oh wow and so the dog would go in and and he'd greet the greet the person and um we'd ask them if they wanted the dog with them and the dog would go and sit on the box beside them, oh, and they, no. so they could pat the dog while they're having their treatment. Oh man, yeah. where were they when I was at the dentist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I've given that up now, and I've given it to one of my uh, friends, and she's got a little poodle, and it sits actually sits on the oh. uh, between their knees and. Yeah. So is that for children and adults, or just anyone that well, finds anyone it? that wanted to? So they. They booked appointments. Um, no, they had a certain day that I usually go, and they'd book the appointments that day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it was a man. bit different. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Gosh, they're good souls, yeah. aren't they, yeah. these doggies? Yeah. So. Uh, and you've conducted puppy classes for Aberdeen. Oh, yeah. I did Aberdeen vets. vets for 14 for years. For many, many years, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you held the puppy classes in the in the vets. vets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how rewarding. To see yeah. the little ones. Yeah, before that develop. I was doing it um, at Heighton Vets and my friend took it over and she's still working there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Amazing. Um, and Victorian Canine Association Certified yeah. Trainer. Yeah, well, you can become a trainer for an obedience club and then you want to go further, you can do a, a training that's on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that many people did it. Um, but I did it, and the first time I did it, the man, this man said, it was one of the judges, he said, I can't hear you, and I thought, I know you can't hear me because you're bloody Jeff, silly twit. <laughs> <laughs> it was. You tell him, Helen, you tell him. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't say that. I thought that. Anyway, I, I said to him, well, what do you want me to do? And he told me. So I thought, fair enough. And I went back again and did it again, but there's another two different fellas. They want something different. Fair enough. Um, they went back again, and the third time I had the same one. I thought, knew exactly what he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, you just got to do whatever you got to do to get by. Sometimes, don't you? Yeah, it was, it was good though. You know, I don't know that many people do that now. Yeah. Yeah. So then I went on and did the Delta course, and that was of course for trainers. And we went and spent a week, uh, I was up at Dookie, mm-hmm. a week up there, and then the rest was online, and then a week again at the end. 
and then got your certificate for, I think it was, yeah, um, which has been quite good because it's recognised as, as a qualification. There's no qualification really for dog trainers mm-hmm. anywhere else. Okay. Yeah. And before we spoke about the qualification that you have as a certified guide hearing and assistance mm-hmm. dog in Australia, mm. which we will talk about in more detail, but that qualification had to come from Queensland, is that correct? Yeah, well, our state doesn't have anything. Yeah. It doesn't have anything. Um, so if you want to have a certified assistance dog, you've either got to do it yourself, which is very difficult, and you have to keep a diary of all your training, um, when you did, what you did, and all that stuff, and as well as having the doctor's certificate to say you need an assistance dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's very hard. Um, there's a couple of groups that do it. They charge astronomical amounts. But with guide hearing and assistance dogs, most of my clients have their own dog. Mm-hmm. I assess the dog to see whether it's suitable for what they want it to do. And then we go from there. So usually the dog is over six months when I see it mm-hmm. and it's had its puppy training and we go from there. Um, and it's really exciting to, to see how the people move on and yeah. how you know, how they start to cope with themselves. Most of them have psychological problems. Sure. And the dog makes such a difference. Because when they go out with the dog, everyone looks at the dog, they don't look at them. Yeah. And, and that seems to help. Um, and you can get to talk to people or not talk to people, depending on how you feel. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And a lot of my clients are really smart. I've learned a lot from them. Yeah. There's so much in in that, isn't there? Like you say, if they go out and they don't and they're anxious and they don't mm-hmm. want to talk to other people, mm-hmm. They've still got that friend yeah. with them, their yeah. dog, and and like you say, people talk to the the mm. dog, which mm. is a buffer between them and someone yeah. else. But if they choose to speak and say hello, mm. that buffer actually joins them, yeah. like connects yeah. them. So it can act in two ways: one, to give them that sense of safety of not having to communicate, yeah. but also the connection to communicate yeah. if they want to. Because the public aren't supposed to touch assistance dogs. Yeah, and most of the public know that now. Even like you see the mothers in the supermarket with their their youngsters, and they say, "Don't touch that dog; he's working." Yeah, and so your assistance dog is like a cane or a walking frame. Mm-hmm. It's a tool that they use to cope cope with their problem, and um, problem can be you know physical or mental. It yeah. depends. How many certified guide hearing and assistance dog trainers are there in Victoria? Two. Two, and you're one of those. Yes. Yeah. As far as I know, there's still only two. You said before that people can do their own training, but that would be quite convoluted yeah. and extensive, it I imagine. It takes at least two years. On your own or with you? Well, uh, probably both. depends on you've got to go at the rate the dog can go with. Sure. You can't, um, you know, go faster than the dog will go. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to... The dog's got to learn certain things um, and so you have to wait till the dog has learned them and then go on and the person has to grow with the dog. And I, I imagine that, that bond and the trust between mm. them is, is just astronomical yeah. and that's yeah. got to be really secure. Yeah. So in that training period then, Helen, 
in that two years because that feels, I imagine, like a long time for the person before mm. they want to be able to go out mm. with their dog. Well, they Do are they going to... out a lot before that, just they're not qualified. So um, they have a vest. And yeah. I go out with them and we do the training. So when they've got the vest on, the dog behaves a certain way. When they've got it off, it's just a dog. Yeah. So um, the dog soon learns. When I've got my vest on, I behave like this. When I've got my vest off, I'm just a dog. Mm-hmm. So then can people access, you know, public transport, accommodation, yeah. shopping centres yeah. while their dog's in training? Do yeah. they have a... Do they have an L plate on during training? I, I did have L plate on the, my original thing, so just an L on the side. <laughs> okay, and, so I'm not and, and being where, silly. Where, where we where we put the um, logo when they sent you know they sent their card and say that they passed. Yeah, and their card lasts for three years. They got a logo as well. They put on the put on the vest. Sure. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but I don't know how people do it otherwise. There are a few bodies that do it, and I've got one of my clients has gone to doing my with mine dog, and I think they test yearly, and it's the same sort of thing. It's their own dog. Yeah. But um, they don't seem to have it. It's not in legislation like it is in Queensland. It's in legislation. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got one that's um, passed with, Queensland guide here in assistance dogs. You can go anywhere where they've got assistance dog international. So okay. um, a few of my dogs have gone overseas and what oh, have you. Oh wow! With their owners, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, so if it's a private training, like if say I had a dog and then mm, I trained it, mm. it wouldn't qualify for some of the things that they no. do if they're under. Yeah, I think um, as far as planes go. You can go on Qantas if you've got guide here in assistance dog, but not any other sort of dog. Oh, well, a, a blind dog, of course. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, but um, it seems to be difficult. They're trying to get something going in Victoria. They have to do a public access test. Okay. And the public access test is done by various bodies, and it's much the same. Um, so you've got to say that the dog's properly uh, loaded into a car and it's attached somewhere um when it gets out of the car it doesn't get out till you say it can get out and has its collar and vest on um you're going into a building um that it can cope with the sliding doors and that sort of thing and the noise and different footings underneath can cope with all people around and not take any notice of them just pay attention to the owner you don't want the dog sniffing the floor or sniffing food at all so again it's just pay attention to the owner when the owner stops, the dog stops. Whether it sits or stands depends entirely on the owner, whether what's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be there a while, the dog um, puts itself in underneath out of the way so it doesn't get trod on. There's lifts, trains, buses, things. They've got to practice and all those things so the dogs get used to them. Wow. Do you find or have you found through the years that there are certain breeds that are far better for this job or is it just the way they're trained? No, it just depends on the dog and its attitude to life. You want a dog that's fairly calm. Like these two (laughs) over here now. (laughs) Mind you, Diago was sitting on top of Mr Rosser before but he's actually hopped (laughs) off him now so that's that's a good thing. You want a dog that's fairly calm, um, that can cope with the world Mm -hmm. it's living in it's no good if the dog's anxious and so are you. Yeah. 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 So you want a dog that's fairly calm and says, oh, that's nothing to worry about. So the person looks at the dog and look, 
says the dog says nothing, so they say, oh, I don't have to worry. Do they feel a big part of their world, don't they? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And just go, just having a dog and able to go places, some of them haven't stepped a foot outside the door, you know. Yeah, in years probably. And, and they've got a dog and, they, and now they're going out. Yeah. Uh, you know, you take them out all sorts of places, as many different places as you can, and the places that they're going to be going so the dog's used to them. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you find much pushback? I guess education's a lot better nowadays, but pushback from the public or businesses about having the dog? Very seldom, very seldom. Sometimes you get usually an older man, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And and you try to say very politely, it's none of your flipping business. Yeah. Occasionally you go into shop and they say, dog can't come in here. And you just say to him, it's an assistance dog. May I speak to your manager? Mm-hmm. And the manager usually tells him, oh, assistance dog, you have to let in. You know, not, yeah. allowed, not allowed to say no to assistance. So that's a common, that's common knowledge for business owners? Well, or it's is getting it... to be. Yeah. And the more you go out in various places with your dog and your vest, the more they learn. Yeah. And if they don't seem to know, I tell them, I explain to them um, what it is, what it's for and so forth and so that they know. Mm. Yeah, because it's hard enough for people that need an assistance dog to then have to be challenged about why yeah. that dog fits. very hard for those people in lots of places. A lot of people, unfortunately, now get themselves a vest from um, Google and mm-hmm. get themselves a vest and off they go with their dog into the shops. Well, that's all very well, but if it doesn't behave properly, they do have a right to say you need to leave. And unfortunately, some of them aren't trained very well, those ones. So at that point, can a business owner or whoever ask for certification? Is that a necessity that a person carries that certification? They can ask, yes. The thing is, my people have card that says the guide hearing assistance dog and they've passed and, and got a date on it and so forth. The others, I don't know how they manage. They'd have to carry all their doctor's certificate, their vet certificate, the, the qualifications of what they've done. They have to carry it with them. And do you find that any of the dogs come in under two years, like they're just suited perfectly for the job and they'll learn under that time frame? Uh, occasionally. Occasionally, but really, you got to wait till the dog gets his brain coming. Like if it's a uh, a Labrador, <laughs> you've got to wait for it to get mature enough. So really, you have to wait for the dog to, to get us, you know, maturity. Yeah, yeah. wow. Well, and, and you they said must be decent. Okay, sure, because we don't need any hanky panky going on in the well, middle of your we shopping don't want trip. Them whittling all over the place, that's for sure. Yeah, and we want them toilet trained. We want them to toilet train on cue. And, okay. And I love when I was working for Guide Dogs Victoria, they got a little bag they put on the back when they wanted to go to the oh, toilet. Oh, do and, they? And they the, their jobbies go into that bag because they couldn't feel it. You know, if they're blind, they can't feel it. And the, the, the little bag. Wow, <laughs> that's gorgeous. Yeah. So you still. Trained for Guide Dogs Australia? No. Now? No, it's just part of the, my apprenticeship. Oh. Yeah. I never knew that yeah. at all. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So it was really fascinating and they've got a re- really hard, but those dogs are two years, 18 months or two years with the association before they get an owner and they pick an owner that will suit the dog. 
or the dog will suit the owner and they get them to come in for three weeks and they teach them together so they're learning and the dog sleeps in their bedroom and everything else. It's a long, long, big step. They're wonderful trainers there. Wow. Are there any dogs that are trained, people that may have seizures? Oh, yes, yeah. And is that part of your work as yeah, well? Yeah, So the dog senses yeah. before the seizure yeah. starts? And then you get the person to sit down or lie down. Okay. So they're in a safe place. Because coming from a background in paramedicine, we had a couple of patients through the years that were just young people and they would get really bad migraines. And they had actual cats. And the cats weren't there for that reason. But there was one in particular that would just go and sit on this girl mm. prior to her migraine and would not budge. Yeah. We'd get there, That's she great. wouldn't budge. Yeah. And I've often wondered about, yeah. you know, same sort of thing. The ability with cats to actually train them or not. But yeah. clearly people have dogs for seizures yeah. and different things. But I didn't know whether you, you actually train them. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not so much as what I train as what does the dog do? He recognises something's different going to happen. What does the dog do? And teach the owner what the dog does. Therefore, the owner is aware. Ah. Yeah. So you actually observe what that dog actually does rather than try and teach it to do something. Yes. You observe their yeah. innate ability yeah. to yeah. sense that. Mm. And then you work from there. Yeah. Well, is that sensible, isn't it? Yes. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it's stupid it? trying to teach them to do something. Yeah. So every dog would have a different response yeah, and different. it's your yes. part as that yeah. trainer yeah. to observe and pick yeah. that up and then yeah. work with yeah. that. That's fascinating, yeah. isn't it? Have you ever had, Helen, any rogue puppies that just are not going to make assistance dogs that just love life a bit too much? Well, not about love life. Some of them are completely self-obsessed and not interested in forming a relationship with anyone else. <laughs> We're talking about dogs here, not people. Dog, dog. <laughs> yeah, depends where the dog came from. A couple of dogs that didn't work. I've got a couple at the moment that may not work. And that's because? They're fairly sensitive themselves. Uh -huh. I've got to decide whether that's too much or that's actually a plus. So I've got to work more with them and see where you're at. It's very hard to get a dog these days. And to get a dog that suits, you've got to, a, they've got to have a dog that they like to start with. And it's very hard if getting dog from lost dogs home. They come with their own problems, which can be a problem. If you're getting one from a puppy, um, you need a particular sort of dog. In the, Like you don't want the first dog in the litter and you don't want the last dog in the litter. You really want one that's happy to get along with. Why is that, Helen? You don't want the first or the last. Well, the first dog would do his own thing and depends on what problems the owner has, of course, make his own mind up about things. And that could be good for some people. But really you want one that's willing to get on with everybody because you've got to, it's got to be a nice dog. If it's too friendly, that's okay. But if it's not friendly, that's not good at all. Yeah. You can't have that happen. You can't have a a dog guarding unless it's at home to say like somebody's here mm -hmm. so the owner can hear it or know it there's someone there and then they're supposed to to let the owner decide whether they want to see them or don't want to see them yeah, yeah. So, and and you don't want a dog to take over that no, role and completely block no yeah yeah and yeah. the birth order of that litter makes the difference well like it, first it can do i did temperament testing for for the rottweiler litters mm -hmm. and we'd 
um, get them at 49 days and take take the puppy to a place where it hadn't been, with a stranger it hadn't been, and pat it and talk to it and then put it down and walk away. Does the dog follow you? If he follows you, that's good. If he goes off and says to you, I'll do my own thing, mm-hmm. it's not good. Then you roll him upside down and hold him down for the count of 30. And if the dog just said, oh, well, I accept this, that's good too. Yeah. If the dog says, I don't accept that, I won't accept it, uh, uh, fights and struggles, I don't want that. You no. do the fetching thing, um, well, throw something out, the dog, get your dog interested, throw, throw something out like a bit of paper or something. Um, does the dog go over and say, what is it? And if it says, what is it, that's good. But if it says, what is it, here it is, and brings it back, wonderful. On that, I attended a University of Third Age session that you do weekly mm. with a group of people, and that's training. Assistance and therapy dogs. Yeah, but that's a volunteer, yeah, I volunteer. lesson that you do yeah, for that Yeah, they pay $60 a year. Okay, to the university to have for that class. But in that, you were teaching them to go and pick things up and bring it back. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, it's it's very handy if you drop your lead when you're out walking in the park. How do you find it? So you can just send them back to get it? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) And your keys or when you forget where your glasses are in the house. And your phone and all that sort of thing. It's Because I've got mobile phones these days, it's marvellous if you teach the dog to get the phone. Is that a skill that they use just in and around the home or is this just for when people go out with their dogs? Well, it's usually when, when, you're, when you're at home. Mr. Rossa, where's the phone? Get the phone. Get the phone. Where's the phone? Oh. Where's the phone? Good boy. Oh, I wish we were videoing him right now. Go on. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. what a beautiful yeah. boy. So, so, so I teach him to recognise the phone. It can be anywhere. Yeah. Because I never know where I'll put it down to. <laughs> and he'll go, he just, for, for anyone listening to this, Mr. Rosser hopped up off the floor and went over and picked up Helen's phone on the table and brought it back here yeah. to where we're chatting. What a beautiful boy. boy. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's some things you shouldn't teach him. I taught him to open doors. Oh. He can. When I go out and leave him, he opens the doors and comes out and joins me. (laughs) (laughs) And when people are in training with their dog, are they better off to not have enough bring another dog into the mix during that training time? Uh, Or doesn't it matter? Well, if they have a dog which is theirs, you're a lovely boy, aren't you? What a beautiful boy. <laughs> uh, the, the dog is there, so walking, working with the one dog. They only have one dog and an assistance dog at a time. Mm-hmm. I've got one person that had two, but she really needed the dog to work 24 hours, which is impossible for a dog. Yeah. Um, but one dog's now retired, and she's got another one coming up. So she's got one assistance dog now. Um, but... You can have another dog in the home, that's not a problem. One dog stays with you, one dog sleeps with you. But you can see this one, he tries to do everything too. Hey, do you find that the other dog kind of yes, starts to take dog. on? Oh, yes. He'll fetch my shoes and, and the phone. And, and he hasn't yeah. actually been trained no, to do that? No, he does it because he does it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. How fascinating. Do you find at all nowadays that sometimes people expect just too much too many answers from their dogs? 
Do the dogs feel it? Not really. Not really. I mean, all the clients I've got, they have a really good relationship with their dog. The dog has enough time just to be a dog mm-hmm. and and needs to be exercised sufficiently and all that sort of thing. There's a lot of things you need to do. You can't just work it and ignore it. Yeah. Mine have been out for a run on the bikes and that, mm-hmm. and they've done finding things around the house just for the fun of it. You know? yeah. yeah. But I, I've never found that dogs, people expect too much of their dogs. Do you ever see anything physical in them over the years that would indicate that they're taking on the psychological and emotional impact of their owners? Is that because yeah. you're very intuitive, obviously, the way you work? That's very interesting. If it's the right dog, they tend to be able to cope with their owner's anxiety and shake it off themselves. Yeah, they're very good at that, aren't yeah. they? Has there ever been anything through the years where you've thought, this isn't healthy for this dog, there's just too much stress here? Um, only once or twice. What did you do about well, that? How thought, do you manage it? They thought they'd get a dog because, and then you've got to convince them, let them know that they really don't want a dog. They're better with using a carer or whatever, that a dog is not for them. Mm-hmm. I have rehomed a couple of dogs and they're quite happy where they are. But um, it's more or less you got. they need to realise that this isn't the solution for them. You're the spokesman, I guess, for that particular dog, especially if you, you know, you've got to, you've got to be very intuitive of both sides. Do you find that you you teach the people as well while you're teaching? Oh heavens, I'm always teaching the people. I try to have very little to do with the actual dog. It's it's hard because they become used to you, and and you're telling the person what to do, so they think, well, I should listen to you. It's so that makes it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you test them, since I test them too, um, I need to stay well out of the way. They need to know what they're doing and, and well out of the way so that they're not relating to me yeah. when they're doing things. Yeah, yeah, that is difficult. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we rely on them, they rely on us. It's a pretty tight mm-hmm. <clears throat> relationship there, isn't it? So how many dogs would you have under your care in training at any one time? Well, at the moment, I've got about six I'm actually training. As far as ones I've actually trained, it's about 30 or 40. When it gets near the time, I need to contact them every now and then, see how they're doing, mm-hmm. and then say, look, nearly three years, we need to check you know, where you're up to and what have you. So you do a reassessment yeah. at that point. So how often would you see a client with their dog while they're in training? Weekly or fortnightly usually. Depends on them. Some of them take longer to take things on board themselves, mm-hmm. person. So some of them might take a month. And you've got to work out how long will it take this person to go in before they forget about it. I usually tend send messages, how are you doing? Yeah. But it, enough so I can keep up with what's happening. And do you go into their homes to work yes. with them? I go into their homes to start with. I need to know what sort of home they've got, who they live with. Ah, um, yes. Um, what's it like outside? What's it like either side? You know, um, like I don't want a dog that runs around, runs around the fence line. Excuse me, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Diago's just have a little look in the bag. What do you find, mate? Yes, it, it's called... Distraction for the owner. Oh, is uh, that what that is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if you get in that situation where you there's perhaps someone else in the home that's 
you know, I don't know, well, maybe aggressive I, I or something. I usually don't find that with assistance dog. I have found it with dog training. Yeah. Just ordinary dog. One particular home, they were, it was a lovely home and it was the wrong dog and nobody really had enough time for it. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, I took the dog for five months and had it with me and then I found the right place for the dog. Um, they haven't got another dog and they probably won't. They're, like they're busy, they're teenagers mm. and mother and father work. You know, there's not enough time. Yeah. Yep. You know, if you have a dog like this, you have a dog really, it's got to be with you. Yeah. And it's very hard. It's what's happened with most of the animal refuges because when we had COVID, they all emptied the animal refuges. People come and got a dog. Mm-hmm. So what's been the pattern now? Yeah, now they will come back. Are they? You're yeah. seeing that happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. First of all, you're training to teach them to watch you, watch you, watch you, watch you. What am I doing? Watch me. Because they have to learn you intimately. To mm-hmm. know what's happening. So no matter what I, where I am or anything, he's watching. Well, yeah, I've noticed since I've spoken to you a few times and he's had his eye on you yeah. the whole time yeah. just to see what you're up to. Yeah. What are your connections now? With, what am I doing in now? This, yeah, on this current oh, day. Well, I'm doing University of Third Age class. That's my volunteer bit. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a trainer at Ballerine Dog Activities Group and I'm, I'm – what's called the emergency trainer. So whatever person can't come for a class, I can take any of the classes. Mm-hmm. And what else do I do? Oh, assistance dog training, yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty busy. Yeah. So you wouldn't have a whole lot of days left in your week where you well, aren't involved. I can have as much or as little as I like. I can work it out myself. Yeah. I can work it out with them. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you want? Where are you at? Um, when do you want to see me again? I try to make that they make the decisions, I don't. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would like us, the public, to know about assistance dogs and, and what our role is or not in any of that? As far as the public's concerned, when they see a person with assistance dog, they don't approach the dog and try to pat the dog and certainly never feed it. They're welcome to, to ask the person about it and they'll either say they want to talk or they don't want to talk mm-hmm. and they should accept that. But really. The public are really very good. I go to the supermarket and I, I take him to the supermarket. I've started taking him too because I need to make sure I training's up to date. The people are amazingly So you pop his vest on and you just get him to go through his paces yeah. while you're in the supermarket yeah. to keep him up to scratch. Yeah. No sniffing at the floor, no running up and saying hello to people. But well, he's also a therapy dog too. Ah. Like he's been a therapy dog for a long time. Right. assistance. Okay. Yeah. Was that hard for him to? No. No, vest no. on, different yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. Change hats. Wow. Yeah. What yeah. a gorgeous soul. Yeah. So I'm very lucky. I, I picked him out of a litter. I really wanted, because I had a Rottweiler at the time, and I and this was a Rottweiler cross because I thought I need a, a retirement dog, mm-hmm. a smaller dog, and one that will live a bit longer. Um, so I went up to see this litter. It was up New South Wales, Queensland border, and half of them were brown, staffy colour, and half of them were Rottweiler colour. But he decided that he's the one that's coming home. That's a beautiful soul. Yeah. He's so calm, yeah. isn't yeah. he? And the little one's learning, aren't you? You're learning too. You're very good. He's very good out in the shop with his coat on. Yeah, he's probably very proud of himself, Mm. aren't you, Tiago? Are you proud of your vest? 
Have you got L plates on? <laughs> no, I don't put L plates on them anymore. I just don't put the logos on. Yeah. Helen, I have learnt an incredible amount of information today. It's good fun. And you feel like you're being useful. Yeah. Which is, I think, my nature, you need to be useful to somebody. Yeah, and you, you said you had a nursing history as well. Yeah. So you've always been a people-caring person. And, and dogs just um, just a huge advocate of the ease with which a dog will break down that yeah. communication boundary between two yeah. people. That's just really Very good. Really beautiful. Before we wrap this up, Helen, if you knew that these two could hear you, what would you want to hear me? I know. Again, what would you want to say to them? Oh, they're great dogs. I love them. <laughs> yeah. And what do they do just for you as companions? Oh, they're wonderful. Get me up and going for the day. Give me a reason for being because I'm by myself now, of course. Mm-hmm. Husband's gone, kids are gone. So it's really good to have a reason get up and do. Makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. And like we spoke before these last couple of years where everyone was in their own corner, their companionship. And, and it's great having all these doggy friends because yeah. we do a scent training now. This is the only thing that I tried everything. I've done agility, tracking, obedience, everything. I've done everything except the um, fetching that only Labradors do. So there's four different scents they have to recognise and they have to find things with a scent on a vehicle, outside, inside and in boxes. So the other thing that you do with Mr Rossa is you go hunting for truffles. Truffles. Oh, yes, yes. So yes. he's a truffle dog as well. He does truffling too. Oh, do you? Yes. Where do you go around here? All the way around here. You have to go up and mess And they find them? Oh, yeah. yeah. And they pay you for doing it. The same as they're scenting. Yeah. You've added another scent on, which is truffle. How interesting. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. Like I said, I've learnt, learnt so much about it and um, these dogs are clearly in a very loved environment, that's for sure. So thank you. You're very welcome.